Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Lewis Aldazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go and give us a call? It's 291-6901. And if you want to put a 225 in front of that, you can reach us from anywhere inside the continental United States this morning. There you go. That's exactly right. And, of course, the next two weeks, we will have a recorded show because we'll be on vacation. Right. We will still have some real good information. I think you'll really like it. Point is, if you want a live answer, today, today. is the day. <laughs> that is correct. <laughs> At least for a while. And, of course, you can always reach us by going to the website. Right. The address is agcoauto.com. That is A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. There is a contact bar on each and every page. Lewis made sure to have that put on, especially. There you go. We can go to click the little button, fill out the form, and send it in. Could not be easier. Pop it on in there. We'll get an answer right on back to you. Always within 24 hours, but sometimes a lot faster, just depending on how near I am to a computer. Sure. During the week. That's right. Next two weeks when I'm on vacation, probably will not be able to get to you quite as fast. I generally try to sit down maybe once in the morning and once late in the evening. Uh I don't check all day long like I do when I'm at work. Right. But you'll still get an answer back. Just give us a shout. That's it. There you go. <laughs> Earlier this week, Bill Perfita on the morning show had right. asked me to come on and do a little segment on getting ready for vacation. And I thought it was an excellent idea. And Bill had read somewhere where AAA is predicting more people will take a driving vacation this year than any time in the past. Okay. And I thought that was a good idea. And I'd like to kind of expound on that just a bit. Things you can do to make sure your car is ready for vacation. Sure. First thing you need to do is get it checked by a professional. That's a very, very good idea. And one thing that Bill says is, well, is this, should you bring this and should you bring that? And it's, Well, yeah, that's all okay. But technically not a whole lot of folks today are going to be capable of repairing their own car should it break. Right. So mainly you should be bringing a flashlight and a cell phone. Well, yeah, that's the primary things. And the thing is, the guy who is prepared to probably repair his own car is probably not going to have to repair his own car because he does all the maintenance on it and it's not going to break down. Because <laughs> <laughs> the same sort of thought process goes into the sure. two. You know, guys who are car guys, gearheads, they generally take much better care of their car. They do all the maintenance on time and right. so they are very unlikely to have a problem. But the average person who does not understand or know all that stuff and maybe doesn't take care of every little thing on his car the way he should, mm-hmm. he is far more likely to have a problem and far less likely to know what, what he does. to do. Right. So those are the guys that we really gear this towards, I guess. And you mentioned having the car professionally checked. I know there are businesses out there, Agco included, we do what we call a trip check. Correct. And last week we were talking about buying used cars. We talked about a pre-purchase inspection. Mm -hmm. Well, a trip check is sort of similar in some of the things that we check, but different. Right. Because this is your car, we're not worried about checking it to see if it's been wrecked or if it's been flooded or any of those kind of things. Those are not of interest to you. What we're looking for instead are things that might cause you a problem while you're on vacation. Correct. Because the reason you take a vacation is to enjoy yourself and relax. And certainly a broken down car is not going to add to that. It's not going to be relaxing. <laughs> I can guarantee you that. At very, very least. So 
I know you do a lot of the trip checks, and why don't you talk just a little bit about okay. some of the things that we do look at. When we do the trip check at Agco, mm-hmm. the first thing I'm going to do is when I walk out the front door, I'm going to walk around your car. Mm-hmm. I'm going to look at the tires, just glancing at the tires if they look low. If I can see the tread at this point, I'm going to look at the tread pattern on them. I'm going to look at the brand on them. As I walk around the car, you're going to look, make sure that it doesn't have any taillights that are cracked, lenses that are cracked or anything. Same thing with the front. If the, the headlights are real foggy or something like that, we'll make a note of that because mm-hmm. a lot of those can be cleaned. Yeah, they can. And if you're on vacation, particularly if you're driving at night, because a lot of folks like to leave in the afternoon, drive at night, be right. where they're going, and your headlights not working very well, that's going to be very inconvenient. Sure. Not only that, but you mentioned taillight. When you're driving in localities other than your own, for instance, if I'm driving around Baton Rouge, I kind of know where I'm going and one thing or another. Uh-huh. Let's say some areas have little speed traps and stuff set up, and a police officer sees you with a taillight burned out, that may be a provocation for him to pull you over. Right. Which is not going to add to your enjoyment either. No. So you want to make sure all the lights are working on your car. Right. Just to avoid that little hassle. Sure. Sure. After we get done walking around it, I'm going to actually get in it. Mm-hmm. I'm going to look at the dash, generate the mileage down because we need to know how many miles are on it to look for certain things. Crank it up, and I'm going to listen to it when I start it. Mm -hmm. If it starts real slow or if it grinds real loud or something of that nature, we're going to make a note of it. Once I get it running, I'm going to put it in gear. I'm going to feel how it goes into gear. If it slams into reverse Mm -hmm. or drive or if it softly goes in. Delayed engagement. Right. We're going to make a note of that. I'm going to back out. The first thing I'm going to do when I hit the brakes is see how it stops. Is it making noise? Did the steering wheel turn excessively when you hit the brakes? Put it in gear, and we're going to take it for a test drive. I'm going to put at least a mile on it. Mm -hmm. What I'm looking for is, does it go down a road straight? Is the steering wheel straight? Is it pulling to one side or the other? Is it shaking? Is it vibrating? You know, We're going to get the car up to about 50 miles an hour. Get back to the shop. We're going to put it on the lift, open the hood. I'm going to do a visual inspection over the engine. Is the oil cap there? Is it the correct oil cap? Is it put on right? Mm -hmm. Same thing with the rest of the fluids. Are the caps there? Are they correctly installed? Once we do that, I'm going to get it on on the lift. I'm going to go ahead and lift it up a little bit. We're going to check the coolant. We're going to check to see what the pH on the coolant is, if the coolant needs to be serviced. Because if the coolant is not right, and let's say you get into a predicament where you need that type of cooling, say you're going out west, right? and it gets real hot out west this time of year, 110, 15 degrees, a car that's not set up properly for that type of environment will give you trouble. Well, that, even if you go to Florida, and, of course, you get on the interstate, and there's an accident, you're sitting in stop-and-go traffic for half an hour, which sure. happens all the time. You don't want a car overheats on sure. you. Sure. We're going to do that. Make sure the cooling fans are operating. Right. We're going to check all the hoses. Make sure, you know, when, when coolant goes bad and has been bad for a while, they'll, it'll actually corrode the inside of the hose, and you can't see it from the outside. Right. One test is you can actually grab the hose when it's cold and just squeeze it. If it squeezes easy and softly, then the hose is probably okay. But if you squeeze it and you feel a crunch inside mm-hmm. it, right. you've got some bad hoses. Got some we, that needs to be built up inside. That needs to be taken care of before you go on your trip. That's right. We're going to take a look at the, the way the body fits just in case there's something loose. You know, maybe one of the bolts fell out the fender and the fender's wobbling around. It's going to rattle and squeak all right. the way from here to right. Virginia. Now, that is some kind of aggravating. Oh, yeah, absolutely. We're going to check the fluid levels, the brake fluid level. If the level is low, we're going to start looking for a leak or at least worn brake pads. And, you know, any fluid level that's low on a modern car is generally going to indicate some kind of a problem because all the systems are sealed. So if your fluid level is low, 
it's not enough just to top it off and say, okay, great. Mm-hmm. You have to find out why it's low. For instance, the coolant is low. There's a leak. Right. There's a reason why it's low. And you don't want to find that out halfway between here and who knows where on the side of the road. The only exception to that would be brake right. fluid. Because brake fluid as, down. as brake pads wear, they get thinner. Mm-hmm. It takes more fluid to fill the cylinder behind the pad because of the less pad that's on the car. So the fluid goes down some. But if it's excessively low. Right. And even that then it's indicates leak. that the pads are probably worn. Right. So that's something that's going to be checked after we get the car in the air. Mm-hmm. Check the tires. Get the wheels off of it. And see what the brakes look like. Because that's the last thing you want is a, a brake problem on the highway. Well, yeah, particularly if you're going to the mountains or something where you're going to be stopping a lot. Sure. You don't want your brakes to end up fading or grinding or going metal on metal or who knows what. Right, or not working. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Yeah, and I don't know if how many of our listeners have actually driven in the, the mountains, but we used to go to Tennessee a good bit. Mm-hmm. And that is a, a totally different environment as far as brakes. From Louisiana, From yeah. Louisiana, yes, it is. When you get on the on those mountains and you start coming downhill – what a lot of people who are not used to riding in the mountains will do is they'll sit there and ride that brake pedal down. Right, keep the car, keep from the going car. Too fast. Right, and you're actually better off to downshift to a lower gear if you're starting to pick up speed going down. Because if you sit and ride those brakes, by the time you get to the bottom of that mountain, you can smell something burning. Oh yeah, because those brakes are going to get hotter and hotter. And you can hotter. You can always tell the inexperienced oh, drivers yeah. in the mountains. Oh yeah, you can see brakes are smoking <laughs> coming off the front wheels, <laughs> and you can actually lose your brakes. They can sure, fade, fade out if they out. get too hot. Now, you know, you mentioned tires earlier, and a couple things I want to bring up with tires, because almost everybody can look at a tire and see if it's worn out or not. Uh Uh-huh. But tires also have an age. They do. And six years is the age that most experts say is the safe limit of a tire. Mm -hmm. And a lot of folks have not looked at the tires. And they may be old. They may have a lot of rubber left on them, but they may be six years old or older. And when you get on the road and you drive 70 miles an hour for eight, nine, ten hours, you are very likely to have a problem. Sure. Those dates are usually on, they're always on one side of the tire. Correct. Some manufacturers put them on both. When the tires are put on the car, they can be put on the rim either way. Right. So you may not be able to readily read the date from the outside. You may have to get underneath the car or take the tire off the car to read the date. That's where the the lift comes in handy. When we get the car in the air, we can walk underneath it, move the tire around until we find the dates on them. Right. And you're not only tires, and you you do need to know how to check that date. You can go to our website and just type in tire age, Mm -hmm. and it'll give you a picture and instructions of how to actually interpret that date code and know what it means. But not only tires, but the valve stems can also dry rot. Sure. Sometimes folks don't change the valve stems when they install tires, shops, for whatever reason. Uh And a valve stem can dry rot and blow out and do the same exact thing. Now, one other thing, we don't limit that only to the four tires on the car. Correct. You have to check the spare. Not only for dry rot and age and all that, but does the spare have air in it? Does it have enough air in it? Is it leaking? Do you have all the tools you need to, to change, change it? Because right. if you don't have a lug wrench or you don't have a wheel lock key or, or you don't have a jack or some part of the jack and you have a problem in town, it's a hassle. If you have a problem on the road, it's going to be a much, much bigger hassle. Sure. So these are just a couple of things to check. We're going to talk about a whole lot more. Let's go to our phone lines. Herb, good morning, Herb. Good morning. I got a little tale to tell you about the brakes. Um, My uncle pulled the Airstream. Well, he had disconnected it, luckily, and he had a Suburban. He was out in northern Arizona, and he was driving through the mountains. Look in there, you know, pull over. Look yonder, you know, and Uh go down yonder and pull a look over yonder. About the third, look over yonder. 
He didn't have no more brakes. <laughs> and finally got it down using the emergency brake mm-hmm. to a dealership, and they said your brake fluid was boiling. That's right. Definitely. He never changed his brake fluid. Yeah, it yep. gets moisture contaminated, and that ball point comes way down on it. Y'all may have already said it. I was a little late getting it on. Turn the radio on. But. Good point, Herb. Okay, thank you. Thanks, man. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. You know, Herb makes a good point, and that's another thing that we always check is the brake fluid, how old it is, because as brake fluid ages, it picks up moisture, mm-hmm. and as it picks up moisture, the ballpoint comes down, Correct. which can be a real big problem. Hey, we're going to take a quick little break. We'll be right back with more on the automotive hour. My way takes the highway. That's the best. I get your kicks on Route 66. Hi, folks. Louis Aldazan here from Agco Automotive. Our team is celebrating 40 years in business, and we're getting congratulatory calls from all kinds of characters, and I do mean characters. You know, Lewis, me and Scoob will never forget the time that you fixed the alignment on the mystery machine. Forty years is really far out, man. <laughs> Lewis, there's a lot of lily-livered varmints out in the automotive world, but not of you. You're the best north, south, east, and west of the Pecos. Hats off to 40 years, partner. Go! Oh, 40 years is almost higher than I can count. My only complaint is that you don't give away free donuts. <sighs> donuts. Well, it seems like high-quality automotive care in this day and age is still appreciated. I just can't believe all these characters really called. Oh, well, they always say I am quite an animated guy. Agco. After 40 years, it's still the place to go. <laughs> Welcome back. If you join us, the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldersan, with Mr. Brian Carey. Hey, two tools to try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go and give us a call? We're talking a little bit about going on vacation and getting your car ready, but we'll take a question on any topic you might have. And we got Bruce online. Good morning, Bruce. Good morning. Yes, How are you doing? Doing great, sir. Good morning. I've got a question about oil filters. Okay. I've got an 07 GMC pickup, takes PF48. Yes. AC oil filter. Mm-hmm. And the latest filters I bought, I usually buy two or three at a time, is a 48E. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. Is that the same filter? Everything all Boy, that, gasket and the that whole That is one of the biggest all? questions going on today, Mr. Bruce, and I have tried and tried and tried, and nobody's saying anything about it. I'm a little nervous about it myself because, number one, it says on the box, professional, if you notice that. And as a general rule, in AC Delco, the professional line is the second line. Like if you buy an alternator that says professional on it, not OEM or brake pads or anything else, it's generally their cheap line. They've come out with that. The representative from Delco told me it only means that it's in bulk packaging. In other words, it doesn't have an individual box. It comes in a, in a case. plastic wrap case, and it's a... They're saving the price of the box and da-da-da-da-da. Well, this but, one has a box. It comes in a box. Yeah, but it doesn't come in a case. It comes in a plastic wrap. All the boxes are plastic wrapped. Yeah, you don't see that because you're buying them individually. No, but okay. at a dealership, it doesn't come in a cardboard case like they used to. It comes in a plastic wrapper with just the individual filters in it. I am very, very nervous about that because Delco has really done some things in recent years that just makes me very uncomfortable. I have not gotten a true word from anybody. I'm going to have to cut some of those open and see what I can see with it or possibly send one out and have it tested. I know there's some scuttlebutt on the Internet. They are not the same filter, and they are substandard, but I, don't, I hadn't seen anything substantiated from anybody that I know that really yeah. Yeah, I could say, hey, this guy knows what he's talking about. It's just not really a whole lot of information on them. But, yeah, anytime they do something like that, it kind of makes me a little nervous. Well, it does me, too, and I even asked at the horse place, mm-hmm. what is this? Mm-hmm. And, of course... 
Yeah, they're well. mechanics behind the counter like I'm a mechanic. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> well, the color they, I don't store, think they really know. And, they don't know anything. Uh, I was told that it's just the the part number change. They well, added no, it's, E on it. It's so not I don't that. Know. No, the, the cover story is that it denotes bulk packaging. Right. And mm-hmm. like that's what AC Delco's putting out, but I don't know if it's the same product or not because, like I said, I'm real nervous with that professional name. Most right. of those, like the water pumps and all that, if it has professional on there, it's junk. It's not the OEM part. Okay. How about uh, where do you find the old one? With just forty p. I have not. Yeah, I have not been able to find the old ones because I'm looking day and night, and apparently they've changed their whole line over. Delco is not part of General Motors like they were at one time. They're just an independent supplier to General Motors. And they make OEM filters for GM, but they also make all kinds of junk from imported stuff and all they put in their boxes. So I'm not don't have a good answer for you right now, but I'm hoping to research that a little more here in the next few weeks and have a better answer. And you know what bothers me is every so often we get a new vehicle in for the first oil change, that filter is not on it. Yeah, it's got the, it's the, got original, the original PF whatever PF forty seven or forty eight on it. It's actually a different label, right? From the not, e designation, not the e, yeah, it's, a, it's the OEM filter. Yeah, yeah. Well, if you ever noticed, usually the what do they call them? Chinese spinoffs or yes, whatever mm-hmm, knockoffs. Part number and all is painted on the filter. Yeah, yeah sometimes the it is. Uh, the factory filter had a paper stick on. Yeah, a little plastic label. No, it is now. What I have. Well, they get smarter and smarter. See, yeah, they get smarter and smarter about making stuff that looks just the same. Yeah, the filters I have, I got two extra. Mm-hmm. They, they're 48E, but got the paper stick on them. Right, but again, and they're getting smarter and smarter about that. They know what you're looking for. <laughs> well, the only thing uh, only they're thing succeeding you can do, in is confusing me. Well, that's right. The only thing we're going to be able to do is actually send some out and have them maybe test it, and that way we might be able to get a straighter answer on it. Yeah. But like I said, I'm real nervous about that right now. Yeah, how about doing that, and I'll call you later. And there you go. You can let me know. Well, I'll probably put an article on the website about it, too. Well, I'm computer illiterate. <laughs> I don't even know how to turn one on. Oh, goodness. <laughs> and I'm not interested. There either. you go. Well, just keep yeah. listening, and you'll find out for there sure. There you go. Yeah, it's like a cell phone. If my wife hadn't have gotten me one, I wouldn't have one. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right. Thank Bruce. you, man. Thank you. Bye-bye. 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 All right. 291-6901 is the number of your part of the automotive hour. I've seen a lot of scuttlebutt on the Internet about those filters and yeah. like I said just who knows you've got what they call oem original equipment manufacturer right and you got oes which is original equipment service Support. right and an oes part is something the dealership sells but it is not necessarily the oem part it's a part that was made to service the oem part but mm-hmm. it may not be the same part so you have to be aware of that just buying stuff at a dealership does not mean you're getting an oem part right although sometimes it does you got to be very, very careful. Today's world, it is almost impossible for the average person to keep up with all that. Oh, I know. I deal with it every us. single day, and I can hardly keep up. I know. So, just another one of those little landmines to uh, <laughs> to try to avoid. <laughs> to try to avoid as you trips through auto service. Right. I can understand why the average customer is so confused. Oh, yeah. Because it is... Like someone has a vast conspiracy out confuse people. I mean, there is absolutely nothing standardized, just all manner of different stuff. And I got to say, anytime a company like that makes a change like that, it's probably not gonna be in our best interest. They didn't make a better filter and say, hey, we're going to sell this for the same price and just put a little different level on there. Exactly. I'm always just a little skeptical. Yeah, quite a bit nervous when I see that kind of stuff. So, hey, we can take one more quick little break and be right back with more on the Automotive Hour. Hi, it's Louis Altazan from Agco Automotive. 
It's our 40-year anniversary, and the phone's been ringing off the hook with congrats from far and wide. Good day, and congratulations from Buckingham Palace. Next time you're in London, Lewis, you must stop by for tea. I'm restoring an old Aston Martin and have some questions about the timing adjustments. Hope to see you soon. Lewis, it's your nanny. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I wanted to call and tell you how proud I am of you. Forty years is nothing to sneeze at. Ho, ho, ho! Lewis, fixing cars right the first time for over 40 years. You've been a very good boy. I think I have something special for you this year. Keep up the good work. See, calls from far and wide. I guess 40 years of high-quality work really means a lot to people and keeps me on the nice list. Now I can't wait for Christmas. Agco. After 40 years, it's still the place to go. Hey, welcome back. This is the Automotive Hour. Appreciate you spending your Saturday morning with us, and we're here to give you some information and try to help you out and point you in the right direction. You got a question, anything about the old car, you give us a call. Glad to try to help you out and help get you maybe, going, get you going, get you stopped. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever it is. And Kate, today we're talking just a little bit about going on vacation, driving vacations, uh-huh. obviously. And things you can do to prevent problems on your trip, which right. is going to make your vacation a whole lot better. Right. We were talking about tires when we before the break. Mm-hmm. And one of the main things with tires is the age of a tire. Right. You want to make sure that those tires are fairly fresh, not over six years old. That seems to be the cut off the cut off date form and we were discussing where that number is actually located on the sidewall right every tire built since 1990 mm-hmm. has this date stamped on the sidewall when the tire was made mm-hmm. it's either on one side or the other some manufacturers put it on both some manufacturers put half the the dot number on one side and then the rest of the that plus the date on the other side right best way is to go to my website and just type in tire age and it's going to bring up an article showing you how to check that right it'll tell you what all the numbers mean that's right we can interpret because it's kind of cryptic the way that it's actually done it's the week and then the year so mm-hmm. if you just look at it you may not realize what you're looking at there. right but that's one thing to be sure that you do check on and moving on from that, another thing, it takes a special little lock on a lot of cars, a little key to get your wheels off of the car. Right. And if you got wheel locks in the car, be absolutely sure you know where the key is. Because over the years, what happens, people service your car, they may take that lock out, do some service work, and the mechanic forgets to put it back in. Or he may, puts it somewhere where you don't know where it's exactly. at. Exactly. So you have to make sure you know where that key is. Right, because without that key, you can't get all the lug nuts off the vehicle if you have a, if flat, you have a flat. If you have a flat, you're stranded. Now, another thing is, as far as flats, a lot of newer cars, I think it's 11 or 12, 15 models. That's what I understand. Come without a spare at all. How about that? Yeah, they just trying yeah, to make yeah, the cars yeah. lighter and lighter. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You, you don't need a spare. Yeah, you don't need a spare. <laughs> We've been carrying spares for 100 years, but That's right. yeah, we don't need one anymore. Yeah. And some of them do have run-flat tires and right. all that, which is a good technology. However, if you hit something hard enough and bend the rim or cut through the sidewall, even that run-flat is going to go flat. Sure. And you're not going to have you're gonna be stranded. a spare. So you need to definitely have a cell phone with you because you may have to call someone to come and get you or whatever. Mm-hmm. Just, if you got one of the newer cars that do not have a spare, be aware of that. Another thing Herb was talking about earlier, we're talking about brakes, and he mentioned emergency brake. And uh-huh. that's actually an obsolete term. There's no such thing as emergency brake any longer. Right. It's actually now a parking aid is what I like to call it. Parking brake is all right. that it is. And those are hopelessly unable to stop that car. Right. They, they are a little small, small, tiny device just to keep it in place when it's parked. 
Right. They used to incorporate the brake shoes and the brake drums right. as part of the parking brake system. Mm-hmm. But as brakes have evolved and gone to disc brakes, some of your manufacturers have actually used the brake caliper to squeeze the pads right. on the rear for a parking brake. Others have gone to an actual small shoe inside the hat yeah, of the rotor. Tiny shoe. It is tremendously small yeah woefully unequipped to stop that car right it, it'll so, it might even not slow you down right. i mean it's don't think of that as an emergency it. brake because it's not the emergency part of the braking system is that is a dual system and most of it has cross braking in other words one front's tied to one rear and so on that's the emergency part it has dual system right so uh, one side system one side of the system goes out you still have half the brake that pedal or lever or handle or whatever actuates it is just strictly a parking brake it's not an emergency brake. it's not going to stop you in an emergency exactly so just something to kind of watch out for there. yeah we're going back to our phone lines of fernando hi fernando what's going on hey good morning gentlemen how, how are you guys doing today? Doing, great. doing great how's the weather out in california well here in the central valley today it's going to be about 105 what about wow it? ouch wow <laughs> <laughs> here it's about 80 so yeah <laughs> go figure huh? and, and we're, we're we're getting upset about south, that south louisiana is supposed to be hot <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But does it? How hot does it get though? Like when it really it gets can hot get hot. Yeah, it can get up to 100 degrees Fahrenheit with 100 humidity at times. But we've been but nice. It's gotten it's kind of cloudy, overcast, and raining right now, and uh, it's been real, uh, real cool. Nice little breeze coming off well, the river. Well, here we get heat, but we don't really get the humidity. Right, we never yeah. get 100 percent humidity. Right, so I guess that's the good part. Yeah. Well, uh, Lewis, I, I emailed you uh, about uh, like two weeks ago regarding my 2000 Frontier. Okay. And the question was that after doing the timing belt on the truck, after having it done, mm-hmm. it now uh, takes, like, for example, the, when you turn on the truck and it's cold in the morning, the RPMs shoot up to, like, 1,500, 1,700. For the RPMs to go back down to, like, 1,000 RPM, mm-hmm. the truck now takes about six to seven minutes. You suggested the, what is it called, the, uh, it opens when the... The thermostat? What is yeah, thermostat. What's this part that opens that, the thermostat? Yeah, the yes, thermostat. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I replaced it last mm-hmm. year. I replaced it with an OEM. Okay. But the problem isn't like the the temperature, like gauge going getting warm. The problem is like the actual RPMs. Now I took a video on my on my phone, and it took like seven minutes for the RPMs to go down to one thousand. Right. But before the change of the um, timing belt, the truck it didn't do that. And, and also now, even after it's been warmed up, and if you let it sit for like two hours or three hours. Mm-hmm. It also takes like five minutes now for the RPMs to go back down to 1,000. And see, before RPM, the timing belt, it yeah, didn't do that. Yeah, RPM on that vehicle is controlled 100% by the computer. There is no adjustment. There's no thing like that. The computer controls it based on several different inputs. Now, the only thing I can think of that would get better when it gets hot, it may be they created a vacuum leak somewhere. Mm-hmm. And with a vacuum okay. leak, what's happening, see, it's looking at the air coming through the air flow meter. It's looking at okay. the fuel air mixture through the oxygen sensors but none of that starts to work until it goes to closed loop when the engine is cold and when i say cold probably seven or eight minutes of running before that it's running in open loop and it's running on default settings so let's say there is a vacuum leak well the extra air is entering the engine and what's going to happen is it's going to start leaning out because of that so it's going to add additional fuel to try to cover up this extra air it has when you add extra air and extra fuel this rpm are going to go up the computer's going to try to slow it down by cutting back to the idle control motor. But if it's a big enough vacuum leak, it can't cut it back enough. So it may idle it up too much. Now, when it warms up and the oxygen sensors all come online, it may be able to deal with it. It may be able to regulate it a little better. 
That's the only other thing I can think of that would make the RPM rise and then come back down once it warms up. So I would be looking for some sort of a vacuum leak that got created in the process of changing the timing belt. Now, the only other thing I can think of is if they got the timing, the engine timing off, because engine timing will also control idle speed. And again, once the computer comes online, it may adjust it back down, but when it's cold, it may not be able to. So if they got the base timing off, possibly got something, a tooth off on the timing gear or something like that, it could cause that kind yeah. of a problem. Okay, and so what it would cause is not for the RPMs to go like higher than normal, but for the RPMs to take much longer to come back down, right? Yeah, well, the reason for that is the computer is not going to start controlling it until it goes closed loop, right. which could take seven to eight minutes of running. In other words, you see the engine is warmed okay. up when you start it, but it's not. It has to get to about 200 degrees, and it's going to take okay. seven to eight minutes for that to occur. When it's below that, okay. the computer's not doing the same controls that it does once it gets to that temperature. So that would be the reasons. It, it can maybe deal with some of these factors. So if it sees the timing off, it may actually adjust for it once it goes to closed loop. When it's in open loop, it may not. So, again, okay. I'm thinking either a vacuum leak that got created or possibly the engine timing is off. Maybe one of the teeth is off on the timing belt. So I take it back to whomever did the timing belt job and just explain the problem to him. If he can't help you, then you need to take it somewhere else. And they're looking at things okay. like fuel trim because you can watch the fuel trim when the engine's cold. If the fuel trim is leaning out too much, then I'd look for a vacuum leak. You'd smoke test the engine and see if you can find it. If the fuel trim is good, then you can actually look at the engine timing with a scan tool and see if that's maybe too far advanced. Okay. All righty. You guys got time for another question? Sure. Sure, go ahead. On my another car, the 2005 Tundra, mm -hmm. now I, I notice that does the, the emergency brake, does it have, on newer cars, does it have a different function, for example, than on my 2000 Frontier? Because it seems that even though I put the emergency brake right. on the truck, it seems like it overrides it, and, yeah. and I can, it easily overrides it. Yeah, so, we were just I, talking I, about that a second ago. Fernando, the term emergency brake is totally obsolete. It is not an emergency brake. Mm -hmm. It's only a parking brake on newer cars. The emergency is that it's got a dual system, and there's a redundant system, and it's cross-braking. But that parking brake is only there to hold the car on a hill when you park. It's not going to stop the car. It's not an emergency brake like it was on older cars. On older cars, you had a cable system that you would pull and would actually apply the real service brakes. This one does not do that. It's going to have like some kind of a little small drum brake up inside the rear disc brakes or something like that. It's just not going to be an emergency brake. It's just a parking brake. And it'll hold the car still while it's still, keep it from rolling, but it's not going to stop the car. No wonder be on a little incline and mm -hmm. uh, so and then I, I I left like this property I was at and mm -hmm. I was going like thirty miles per hour down the road uh -huh. when all of a sudden I saw that the light was on but on my other on my front two thousand frontier I mean I couldn't take off on, yeah <laughs> because yeah so, it, some of the older ones really grip on some yeah. of the older ones held a lot better because they actually use the service brake for the parking brake most of the newer cars actually have a separate little parking brake and it's generally a little tiny tiny set of drum brakes inside of the disc brake on the back and they just strictly a parking brake. So do you think I damaged anything from, like, driving it? Maybe oh, yeah, like it, it probably miles? got pretty hot. I'd take it, tear it down, and look, so you may find the shoes are cracked or the drums are chewed up on it. Yeah, it definitely generates okay. an awful lot of heat, even though it doesn't stop the car. Okay, because I was about to go on the freeway, but just before, like, going on the freeway, yeah. noticed, uh, I, thank God I didn't, I didn't go on, like, yeah. 67 miles on the freeway with it on. Yeah, I'd definitely get it looked at. Okay. All right, Fernando. All right, thank you. Thanks for calling, man. Bye-bye. Mm, all right, 291-6901 is a number, and if you're out of state like Fernando, you can put a 225 on front of that and give us a call. If you're out of the country, you can put a 1 in front of it, and that should get you to us from 
just about anywhere you want to be. You finally figured it That's out. That's right. Huh? One one. The world code. <laughs> United States is number one. There How about you go. that? How about that? Huh? <laughs> I guess because we set up the phone system. There you go. But yeah, that uh, that'll definitely help you out on there. You were talking about getting ready for vacation, right. and So on and so forth. Now, one thing too, a guy gave me a tip years ago that I've always kind of followed, and it has actually saved me on one occasion. And that is, if you don't have an extra set of keys for your car, get an extra set of keys Mm -hmm. and pack those in your luggage where you can get to them. And it's best not to put them in a suitcase in the trunk because if you lose your keys, you can't get in the trunk either. Exactly. (laughs) But you can really get yourself into a bind if you misplace the keys for your car. If you got you and your wife or you and whomever with you, you might give one set to one and one set to the other. Right. Don't put them inside the car and lock the car, but you want to have... Two sets of keys, that's important all the time, but it's much more important when you're out of town where you don't have your, well, your regular support network. And it happens sometimes that you lock the keys in the car. Mm-hmm. That's right. So if you actually had like a hide-a-key outside the vehicle somewhere mm-hmm. where you could access it to get back inside the car to get your set of keys. If it does nothing more than a key to get the door open, it's exactly. going to be better than nothing. But exactly. An extra but ignition you, key is even better sure. because if the keys get lost, let's say you go to the beach and they drop into the sand. Oh, yeah, they're gone forever. Yeah, I don't know if you ever dropped a key in the sand. but Or until the guy comes along with the uh, metal the metal detector finds it four or five years later. You yeah, know? That's right. And he's going to keep them and laugh at you. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go back to our phone lines with John. Good morning, John. Good morning. Yes, sir. How are you doing this morning? Great, sir. A long-time listener and also frequent your shop on a regular basis. Oh, great. Y'all thank you. Excellent work. Well, thank you, sir. Got a quick question. I recently bought a new pickup truck, mm-hmm. a 2015 Dodge Ram 1500. Okay. It has a 5.7 Hemi engine. Yes, sir. I'm concerned, just long cutting under the truck, the all the engine oil filter is very small. Mm-hmm. And I, it, it just kind of put a, I'm a worry ward, and I just kind of looked at it and kind of got concerned about it. it. Should that be an issue, or is there any way I could maybe put a larger well, those, fil- filter on it? Yeah, those filters are a high-density filter. What they did, they just got rid of some of the extra space inside the filter but the element is actually as full size no as long as you're using the filter that comes on a truck you're going to be fine it has adequate filtration it's just they made the size of the filter smaller possibly for ground clearance issues possibly to cut weight whoever knows why they do all the things they do but if you cut an average all filter open you can know there's a lot of space in there there's maybe a half inch between the wall and the element and there's another inch and a half between it they just made all that smaller, but it does still have a full-size element. It. it will do a full-size job as far as filtering your oil, so you should be just fine with the OEM filter. Okay, Lewis. Thank you very much. Okay, man. Thanks, Colin. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, 291-6901 is the number. If you're part of the Automotive Hour, we'd love to have you. And we've got Franco online. Good morning, Franco. How y'all doing today? Doing great, doing sir. Doing great. Hey, look, I want to ask you, I've got a 2001 Ford Ranger uh, with a standard five-speed. I've got a drain plug and a fill plug on it, so somebody told me that's the towing transmission. I'm the better one of, of all of them. I don't know. I want to put synthetic oil in it. What's the best thing to put in there? It's got about 180000 on it. you got to watch, Franco. You're going to need to look that up or have someone look it up in service data because they don't all take oil per se anymore. Some of them take automatic transmission fluid in a standard. Some of them take special fluid made only for that particular unit so you got to be very 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 careful i just don't know off the top of my head what that one takes but there are probably 40 or 50 different kinds of transmission fluid on the market today 
Some of them have some. I'll call for a friend of mine that works at the Ford dealership. He could look it up for you, or right. you can send me okay. an email. I can look it up in service date. I just don't know off the top of my head. I believe it may take Mercon 5 automatic transmission fluid in that one, but I wouldn't swear to that, so be careful. If you put the wrong fluid, you can have problems. You can have oh, shifting yeah. problems. You can actually damage them. Mm-hmm. Hey, look, guys, thank you for all your good advice over the years just listening to the show. I'm not a mechanic, but I'm a parts changer, and you've made me a better one. Thank you. <laughs> thank you, Ray. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right, 291-6901 is the number of you on the part of the automotive. We'd absolutely love to have you. Just go ahead and give us a call. We were talking, going on vacation, right. checking your car checked, mm-hmm. and something just occurred to me. I'm just sitting here, mm-hmm. mine's running. The spare tire, if you do have one, mm-hmm. check the condition of it. Right. See if it's dry rotted, check the date on it, because right. a lot of your spare tires came originally with the car mm-hmm. i mean we check spare tires every day and 90 percent of them they can be 10, they came with the car 10, 12 years old some sure. cases and yeah you get it out on the road that's okay for a spare but sometimes it's not well you get it out on the road you have a, a problem you need to drive six or eight ten miles that's right on that tire man I, that's right it's not worth it and you know you got to watch too when you buy new tires don't assume that They're you're new. just getting a new tire because a lot of the places in Baton Rouge, at least, that I've seen, will sell you a three-, four-year-old oh, tire. Yeah. Easily. It's just some old stock, but not a new tire per se. you got to right. watch that date. So if you know how to read that date, I say go to the website and just type in tire age, and it'll tell you how to read that date. Yes, it will. You make sure. We always try to – it's not – practical to expect it to be exactly brand new it may be as much as a year old when you buy it because by the time it gets through the manufacturing process and all then a year can evolve on out right but you got to you don't want a tire that's two or three years old exactly. when you buy it so we're going back to the phone lines of john good morning john hey hey lewis so it's good to hear you guys well, thank you thank you hey, look, i got a, a question i have a, a 2006 toyota avalon uh-huh and it's got 62,000 miles on it. Do I have to uh, change the timing belt on that one? What engine does it have, John? It's got that V6. Yeah, but is it a 3-liter, 3.3, or a 3.5? I think it's a 3.5. If it's a 3.5, it has a chain. doesn't have a belt. doesn't have to be changed. Okay. The 3.3 and the 3.0 have a belt. The 3.5 does not. It has a chain. And that's right around when they changed to that. The shop, I can look it up for you. Or send me an email. I can, I can look it up for you. But if it's a 3.5, it does not have a chain. It doesn't have a belt. It has a chain. It has a chain, so I don't have to change. No, it. sir, not at all. Yeah, and, and I think that is because it's like two hundred and eighty or two hundred sixty something horsepower. Mm-hmm. It, does it have what? What oil does it take? I use a uh, synthetic oil. Yeah, no, but is it like zero W twenty? No, zero W five. I think. Yeah, five W twenty. Five W twenty. Yeah, if it takes five twenty, it's got a chain. Yeah. Okay. The, the ones with the belts took five W thirty. Okay. All righty. Thank you, man. All right, man. All right. Bye. Thank you. Bye bye. All right, we've got to take one last quick little break, and we'll be right back with more on the Automotive Hour. Hi, folks. Louis Aldazan here from Agco Automotive. This year we celebrate 40 years in business, and, man, I can't believe all the calls we receive from national dignitaries. Louis, it's the governor. I'm taking time out from my new movie to congratulate you on 40 years. I got to run, but I'll be back. Lewis, hey, I'm playing golf with an old friend, and we wanted to call and say that 40 years is quite a run. Lewis, that is absolutely splendorific. <laughs> hey, Lewis, James here. 40 years, wow. You know, there's nothing more I like than a good homegrown Louisiana success story except, well, maybe politicking and my tigers. You're up now, you hear? 
Well, I'm flattered. I guess even in the world of politics, honesty and integrity are still something to value. Okay, well, maybe outside the world of politics. Agco. After 40 years, it's still the place to go. Hey, welcome back to the final segment of the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Alderson from Agco Automotive. Our lead tech, Mr. Brian Carey, right here by my side. Hey, between two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. And we've got Ray's been patiently holding. Good morning, Ray. Good morning, Louis. Yes, sir. I called you two weeks ago about my Chevrolet speedometer. I hadn't forgot it. Okay. It started working again, but it didn't work very long. So <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna call Elaine. I'll call Elaine Monday morning. Okay, sounds great. Hey, my wife's got a 2002 Grand Cherokee uh-huh. Jeep. Yes, sir. About 63,000 miles on it. And occasionally, when you start it up and try to go with it, it'll sputter a little bit, run a little bit rough. It runs rough like when you're accelerating or just like yeah. an idler? When you start to accelerate. One of the most common issues, Ray, does it have an airflow meter on that engine, do you know? I don't Coming know. Coming out of the air filter, look between the air filter and the throttle body and see if it's like a little box sort of thing with some wires going to it. Okay. That would be an airflow meter. One of the most common causes of a stumble on acceleration is a dirty airflow meter. I got you. And those are obscenely expensive to replace, but we've had real good luck cleaning them. You just got to be careful. You go to a parts store, you can actually buy some airflow meter cleaner, a throttle body cleaner, something like that, which is a special cleaner for it. And if you go on the net, you're going to find a bunch of people telling you how to do it, but just basically very judiciously clean and see if that doesn't clear it up. All right. Would you say it's time for some spark plugs with that kind of mileage? Probably. You got to watch. Chrysler uses a lot of copper spark plugs still that were actually Uh, supposed to be changed at 30,000 miles. And you. I'm not sure on that particular model if they have it, but I know like the Hemi's and all, every 30K they need plugs because it's got copper plugs. And the reason they did that was not neglect or trying to save money, but you got aluminum heads. They don't want those plugs to stay in there for 100,000 miles. They want them in you. and out so they don't freeze up. So, yeah, you. a lot. And you can be real surprised if you go to the Chrysler dealer to buy those spark plugs. They're real cheap. I mean, they're like 2 $3 a piece. And that's something. All right. Yeah, So, but the copper plugs, yeah, if that's what it is in there, you're way past due. You can look at your owner's manual. If it recommends around 30 that's what you got. And that would be another thing. If that spark plug gap is real wide, it could cause a little bit of a stumble off acceleration. But All right. we found more times than not, it ends up being the airflow meter if it's not setting a code of any kind. All right. If it's not, if they weren't copper plugs, were they platinum? Yeah, it would be the platinum or iridium, and those will uh, yeah. generally last a little longer than that. But, again, I would pull a couple of them out and look at them and see. What we can also do, we've got a Chrysler Star Mobile, which is the, the Chrysler scan tool. Right. Sometimes, in what they call Mode 6 data, it'll record okay. a misfire and tell you which cylinder it is, even before it'll set a check engine light. Wow, that's It perfect. has to get a pretty significant number of misfires before it'll set a check engine light. It has to have a certain number, and they have to be at the same RPM range. If it misses a different RPM range, it won't set a light. So just because it's not a light doesn't mean it's not some data. So try those things yourself, and if that doesn't clear it up, bring it to me. I can scan it and see if there's anything in Mode 6. I'm going to let you look at it. I'm too old for that. (laughs) One other question. I want my son had a radio just like mine in the truck, and he he never used it. He got him one of them hopped-up radios. My radio went out. If I put his new radio in, it won't work. It has to be programmed or something. Can you uh-huh. do that, or is that just a dealer function? No, we can do that as long as it's a compatible radio. and It'll physically go into the truck, and it's designed to go in a truck and can be programmed. We can do it. I can do anything a dealer can do. Great, great, because you're going right. to have my dash apart anyways. I want you to put that radio in Oh, yeah, yeah that's not a big deal. We'll, we'll check it and make sure. You know, there are some yeah. radios that just aren't compatible. It's not possible to program them in, but right, I would right. think most of them are. If it can be done, we can do it. All right, sir. I'll get right. later call Monday. Thanks. Okay, Ray. Thank you, man. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. We were talking about getting your car ready for vacation and all. And right. A couple of last 
minute last tips, minute there. tips there. Mm-hmm. The battery. Need to check the battery age mm-hmm. and uh, how many amps are left in the battery, right. how many actually hold. You can do a capacitance test on it, and you can get a pretty good indication. If it fails load test, it may still be starting the car, but it's on its last legs. Sure. Also, a battery that is three or more years old. Right. It's probably not going to last Batteries longer. die in different ways. Mm-hmm. They die just one day you'll go out there and it's dead. One day you may go out there and it t- starts real slow. They die in different ways. Some so of them kind of drag really out and start getting slow to crank and all that. And you get plenty of warning. Other ones are 100% and then zero. Right. Just drop dead all of a sudden. So you don't want that to happen to you. Another thing that a lot of people don't think of as a maintenance item, but the radiator. Sure. Most radiators today are made out of plastic. In fact, all radiators plastic, plastic and aluminum. aluminum. They have a service life of about 10 years. Sure. 8 to 10 years, just depending. You may get that radiator inspected before you go because generally you can look at the tank and you can see little tiny cracks starting to form in the tank. The The paint will start kind of peeling off and you'll start getting, that, I call it crazing, mm-hmm. in the top tank. If you've got a radiator that is 10 years old and the tank is crazed and you are going to a hot, hot area of the country, then you need to make sure you get that swapped out before you go right. because that is at very, very least going to ruin your vacation Almost if that definitely. radiator fails when you're out in the middle of the desert somewhere. Most definitely. And not only that, but when the radiator goes out, it's going to probably knock the air conditioning out. Sure. Because when the car starts to overheat, it's going to shut your air conditioning down, which is going to be a real, real big inconvenience for you. Right. So last thing is you might want to get the codes checked on your car because even though the check engine light is not on, it may have a pending code. Right. This is something the computer's watching that without a factory scan tool, you will not know. But a professional can go in, test the pending codes, and this, he can also look at things like fuel trim. He can find things that are pending as a problem that hadn't even occurred yet. Right, so you can get that fixed before you get on your vacation. That's right. And these are just the kinds of things that a professional can do. Of course, just looking at the car yourself is not a bad idea. Remember on the serpentine belt when you're checking that, the old days where they used to get little cracks, cracks. and all that in it. Right. The newer cars, gone. yeah, EPDM rubber, you're probably not going to see any little cracks, even though that belt may be seriously compromised. Sure. And, you know, while you're looking at that belt, think about the tensioner, too, because it's been sitting there bouncing back and forth for so many thousands of miles. Right. If that tensioner is getting bad, you want to change it out because it'll fail and take the belt out. Sure. Hey, you want to tell everybody how much we appreciate them listening this morning and every Saturday morning on Automotive Hour? like to thank all our podcasters for listening this week and every week and tell your friends go to your favorite rebroadcast service and if they have a place for a written rating give us a written rating yeah, give us a written review because that always moves us up in the rating so more folks can hear us also makes our day and that way we can keep on doing the show that's it there you go hey preceding was opinion based on our experience in the automotive industry have a great weekend mm-hmm.